So we're going to start a series today as we kind of uh, launch into the month before the new year starts, the new school year starts. And so I want to talk to you today about what I'm calling the promised life, the promised life of God. And uh, I've been thinking about it over the last few days and thinking about how, how loved you are and how loved I am and how much God wants me to live in that love. But not only that, how could you live life without Him? That's the thing that, you know, strikes me so powerfully was, wow, my life is so good because of Jesus. How could you do life without Jesus? How could you do it, man? You know, I'm not talking about going to church and being religious. I'm talking about this living, loving relationship with Jesus, this feeling loved and empowered by your Father. There is nothing more powerful. And I was just thinking about how my life has gone because those years ago and continually, because it's not an event, it's a lifestyle, the Bible tells us that eternal life is to know Him, not just to have ticked a box that says I'm saved, but it's a progressive, intimate knowing. The word, Greek word is genosko. It means to know. It means to learn about. It means to get to know. And I thought about how my family, how my finances, how my health, how my life. Sure, there have been storms in my life, but they haven't lasted for years, right? There have been storms. They come and they go. It's part of life. But God has been with me. He's either handed me an umbrella or a raincoat or told me to go inside quickly. There's a tornado coming, but it won't last long. That's part of life. But to live with the grace and the favor of Jesus all over your life, there is nothing better. And I want to ask you a question as we start this series, which I changed from what I told you I was going to do last week, because I felt as I was praying this week that I should do this. Um, imagine if you could take the guesswork out of life. Imagine if you could take the hope and the hopelessness out of life and instead replace the guesswork with some certainty. You know, the Bible talks about the steps of a righteous person. Uh, he guides those steps. He doesn't ever guide our stops. He only ever guides our steps. I want you to think about that for a moment because there's one thing when you're stepping that you're off balance. Every time you step, you're off balance. And if you stop, what happens? You can fall, okay? If you stop stepping and you start to stumble, what do you do if you stumble? When you stumble, you don't stop. You keep on stepping because that recovers your balance. So many people, when they hit a crisis, stop stepping but God doesn't bless or order the stops of a righteous person, only the steps. That's a sermon I didn't even put down here today. That's just for free, that part. <laughs> this is the worship was so amazing, it just came to me. All right? But imagine if you could take the guesswork out of life. Imagine having a true north, something that makes sure you don't ever get lost. You know, I love the show Alone. I don't know if any other fans are in the room, but I love Alone. And, you know, you've you got to have that compass. If you don't have that compass, if you don't have that true north, you are going to get lost. You're going to think that was the right direction, only to find yourself walking in circles. Most people, truthfully, walk in circles. They might be ever-expanding circles slightly, but it's a long way around the mountain when God lets you go straight up. If you had your true north set, then that would change everything. So how do we do it? Well, the Bible... I wish I had my old floppy version, my 
big Bible with me, but I've only got it on my phone now, 20 versions. Uh, but I hold this up and say, hey, this is the Word of God. Now, the Word of God is the inspired, immutable Word of God. It's unchanging. And we'll do a series sometime on how to know that the Word of God is the Word of God and how to be, how to be able to rely on it completely and fully. But it is the Word of God. And in the Word of God, there are over 7,000 promises that God makes, 7,000 words. Now, one of the mistakes that we make is we think that because it's in the Logos, in the Word, the written Word of God, that somehow we can just name it and claim it, right? Well, I think I'll do my lucky dip. I want that promise, and maybe I want that promise. Truth is, they're general promises that are in God's Word, but until the Holy Spirit makes them specific to you, they're just general promises. They're principles. But God has a realm of rhema, which is a special, specific promise. These are general promises, but God wants to give you specific promises about your life. And I'm going to show it to you through the Word of God. Don't just take my word for it. But let me just say this, that the bridge between hope and faith, remember faith is the currency of heaven. Faith is what moves mountains. Faith is what uh, you use to see miracles take place. The gap or the bridge between hope and faith so often is a promise, a specific promise, and it's underrated by most believers. The promises of God are your true north compass to help you navigate your life. True north, the promises of God, right? Of course, the Word of God is our true north, but in relation to our own personal journey within the overall big picture, specific promises from God are super important. The bridge between hope and faith is a promise. The thing that turns hope into faith is a promise, a specific Holy Spirit downloaded promise. Let me to read to you what Joshua said. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about some of the Bible characters. So I did a study about this Recently, says Joshua says, now I'm about to go all, the way of all the earth. It means he's about to die. You know with all your heart and soul, he's talking to the children of Israel, that not one of, everybody say not one. Not one of all the good promises, the promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Ideas may fail, opinion may fail, promises never fail. In the next couple of weeks, I'm going to show you an erroneous belief system that so many people have about promises. We believe, some of us, that other people can affect our promise. They cannot, otherwise God's a liar. Why would God give you a promise that someone else can destroy? It means God's just a man like the rest of us. So we're going to talk about that, and we'll go deeply into that theology so we understand it properly, right? He says, Joshua says, listen, not one of all the good promises... It doesn't say any bad promises, it just says all the good promises. The Lord your God gave you, specifically gave you, has failed. Every, let's read it together, every promise has been fulfilled, not one has failed. Can I tell you the thing you can bank on more than anything in the entire world is a specific promise from God. It is the most certain of all things. It's not just the principles of God's mind. It's the specific revelation out of God's mind to your situation and to your future. 
That is the most dramatic and most powerful weapon that we have. In fact, Paul writing to Timothy says, remember these promises that were given to you, use them to wage war in your walk, right? It's really, really important to understand how that goes. Let's read about Solomon's prayer. Solomon says, praise be to the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel just as what? He promised. So they didn't get there just because of good fighting or because of some treaty somewhere. They got there because God promised it. Not one word has failed, he says. Read it again. Not one word has failed of what? All the good promises he gave through his servant Moses. So he's going back to Moses' day to tell him, hey, I'm looking at what's happened since those promises were made and look at them. Not one of God's good promises has failed. I don't know about you, but I'm excited, as you can tell, about the promises of God. It has helped my life, and I'll share some of that in a minute, the promises of God. Psalm 18 says this, as for God, His way is perfect. All the Lord's promises prove false. True. Not half true, not a quarter true, not 10% true, not a tithe of truth, 100% true, right? All of God's promises, all the Lord's promises, the promises that He gives to you by the Holy Spirit that are revelation that you've assessed and all the things that you know is a promise, none of them fail. You know, everything about our Christian life is based on a promise, everything. Why do you think the land of Canaan was called the promised land. Maybe there was a promise behind it. I don't know. Think about it. The promised land. That means there was a promise. And now we're here. It was the promised land. Everything in our Christianity is that, the promise of the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit coming was the, because of a promise. Right? He said that promise is not just to you, but to all those who call on the name of the Lord, to your children and your grandchildren, write down. And by the way, if you've not signed up for the Baptism of the Holy Spirit class, uh, there's an opportunity on Church Center app to do that. And I promise you, it's going to be an incredible, incredible night and, and so on. So that promise of the Holy Spirit, the promise of eternal life. If you believe on me, you will not perish. You will have everlasting life. That's a promise by God to you that it's through a promise that you are guaranteed that you're going to heaven if Jesus is in your heart. And we're going to give you an opportunity if you don't have Jesus in your heart to invite him into your heart at the end of the service. He's promised not to leave us or forsake us. He's promised that all things will work together for good to those that love God and called according to his purpose. You could go through all of the Bible and you would see promise after promise after promise after promise after promise and specific promises to people that are general promises to us that the Holy Spirit wants to take and make them specific to us as well in so many cases. And did you know that God can tell us our future? How many believe God knows the future? Very simple question. How many believe God knows your future? Okay, do you think God could tell you about your future? Okay, do you think He does it? Yes, He does. He tells people about their future. He doesn't tell you everything about your future because you've got to trust Him. You've got to walk the walk of faith, but He will give you milestones and true north calculations if you're following Him. Um, and I wrote down here, did you know God has many promises for you and your family that you've not yet picked up? I feel like God's promises 
are like the post office. There's lots of unclaimed mail. Nobody was home when FedEx delivered it, so they took it back. It's certified. God wanted you to be there. He wanted to speak into your life. And I believe there's a lot of promises waiting to be picked up. Can I encourage you, as, as we get going, to really seek after the promises of God. It is a game changer. I've got promises for my children. I've got promises for my wife. I've got promises for my future. I've got promises about my job. I've got promises about where I'm living. I've got promises about my house. I've got promises about all the big things in my life. I've got a promise about what's going to happen in the next 10, 15, 20 years. Those promises are so powerful. He told me, gave me promises about 200 campuses and creating the mortgage neutral church. He promised me I would win over my enemies. Now, that might be winning them over or win over them. I don't mind whichever one it is. Here's the thing, again, another uh, free uh, thing to write down. God doesn't move quickly ever. He moves suddenly. God is slow and sudden. Just when you thought he was late, boom, he's there on time. Why, why is God slow to do a bigger miracle? Why did God, why did Jesus take more time to come to Lazarus' tomb? So the miracle would be greater. Every delay is building a bigger miracle if you'll trust him that he's given you a promise and it's going to be all okay. He doesn't move quickly, he moves suddenly. That's why you've got to be faithful. That's why you've got to be committed. That's why you've got to stay the course. That's why you've got to keep on, you know, keep on moving when everything else has stopped moving, right? Keep on ticking when you've just had a licking. I'm trying to get Georgian somehow here. <laughs> it helps you to keep on going, right? As God doesn't move quickly, He does move suddenly. Just when you least expected it, boom! Four years of toil, bang, in a day. I had three phone calls on Friday morning about things that I've been working on for, some of them for months, one of them for uh, a year, another one for four years. Just going at it, just slaving away, just being faithful, going, believing God, praying into it, etc. And in one hour, three phone calls came through and they were all closed. Boom, 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 like that. Because God doesn't move quickly, God moves suddenly. And we're waiting for the quickly, and God says, I don't move quickly. I move suddenly. I'm God, and I move suddenly. I want to freak you out. I don't want to make it so you can measure your walk. Oh, yeah, look, oh, yeah, I can see what he's doing. Oh, it's so amazing. He wants to get you to a place where you feel like there's nothing, and he says, keep on moving. I'm about to part the Red Sea. Notice what he says to Moses. Moses says, God, help us. We're trapped against the mountains and the sea. Just get moving. And get that staff out and stick it out over the water. Boom! Suddenly. That's how God works. He wants you to feel a bit trapped. It's not because he has pleasure in it. He wants to see if you believe him. He wants to see if you trust him. But I've only got a stick. That's right. Watch what I do with a stick. That's how it works. Oh, I tell you what. That worship has got me going. All right. God is also, here's another free one. Write this down. God is also a JV partner. Who knows what a JV is? A JV is a joint venture. 
God doesn't do it all himself. Otherwise, why would he invent prayer? Why would he ask you to participate, me to participate, you online to participate? I'll tell you why, because he's a joint venture partner. God will always do what he's doing. He's waiting for you to do what you're supposed to do. Sometimes they're saying, God, will you move? He goes, no, why didn't you move? Anyway, we won't talk about that today too much. And I'm going to talk in the next couple of weeks about why things in our life last longer before we get the answer than they should. I'm going to talk to you about God's perfect will and God's permissive will as it relates to timing. I'm going to talk to you about how you can align yourself much better with God's perfect will. Because God's dictated a time that the storm should go. And then there's going to be sunshine and a miracle. But I can make the storm last for years longer than it's supposed to. Look at Moses raising his hands. Raise his hands, they win. Hold his hands down, they lose. Hands up, win. Hands down, lose. Win, lose, win, lose. And that is most of our lives. Three foot forward, two and a half foot back. Three foot forward, two and a half back. God says, I want to teach you how to live in my perfect will, not just my permissive will as it relates to timing. So, uh, so God doesn't want to just speak to you about your eternity and about salvation. He wants to speak to you about the things of your life. And this is a little study I did. Every significant character in the Bible who lived powerful lives did so because of a promise God gave them. I tried to find one who didn't, and I couldn't find any one of the heroes of faith who just succeeded without a promise, just kind of, kesara, sarah. Let's just try it out. Let's just keep on going. Let's hope for the best. Let's just roll the dice. They did the things they did based on promises. Think about it. Joseph and his dream. God promises him great promotion. Your brothers are going to bow down and worship you. Remember Solomon's dream. I'm going to make you the wisest and the most wealthy and the most prominent king, blah, 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 that's ever lived. That was a promise. What did he say to Samuel? He speaks to him about his leader and about the nation. Moses, he speaks to him about his plan to use him and make him great. Did I make your mouth, Moses? Did I make your tongue, Moses? Who am I? God speaks to Moses and gives him a promise. You're going to be the deliverer. Okay? God, uh, Abraham, God promises him an awesome place to live and a child. David, God promises him great promotion and great success in his job. Hannah, God promises her a child. Hezekiah, God promises to heal him. Jacob, God speaks to him about his past and his future at Bethel. Elizabeth, God promises her a child. Mary, God speaks to her about her child and his destiny and promises he's going to be the saviour of the world. Joseph, God speaks to him about marrying Mary. Don't be afraid to get married to, married to Mary. The thing conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Marry her. That was a scripture God gave me to marry Pastor Jane. It really was. On the 1st of January, 1986, God spoke to me at five minutes past midnight from that verse. Noah, God speaks to him about the future of the world and promises to save him and his family. Why would you spend 100 years building a boat if there's been no rain without a promise? The promise. The promises of God. They are God's helping tools for you to live life with a straight direction. Most people are wandering all over the place, right? Some of the wanderings, you know, it's like the children of Israel could only have taken about, what was it, 13 days or whatever to get from Egypt to the promised land, but they took 
40 years. God has a plan, right? And He wants us to understand the promises are our surety, our security, our safe bet that the future is going to be okay. God wants to, make, wants to promise you things. He wants to make you promises about your relationships. He wants to make you promises about your career. He wants to make you promises about what happens when you follow Him with all your heart. God makes big promises, promises about everything you may ever need or want. So why does God give us promises? Well, I'll give you some reasons. So if you're writing stuff down, here's the first reason, because He loves you. You know, when I stood at the altar and I did my vows with Jane, I made a promise. They're called vows, but I made a promise that I would love her in sickness and in health. Why was it so public, right? Well, we know why it's so public, and it's because it's a big deal. But it was a promise. I made her a promise because I loved her. I loved her, so I made that promise. Now, Making promises to the people you love is part of how you show them you love them. You promise your kids things. Why? To show that you love them. God promises us things because He loves us. We talked about it last few weeks. God's love for me, not my love for God. See, God wants us, and we want, you know, when I I made that promise to Jane, because I was fearful of marrying the wrong person, when I made that promise to Jane, it was from my absolute conviction was that promise. I wanted her to know, no matter, because the five years before that were a bit rocky, very rocky. And when we finally got to that point, I wanted her to know that this is it. I promise you this and this and this and this, because I wanted her to feel confident. Make sense? Now, some people, you know, their lips are moving, but is their heart moving? Sure, I understand. But we make promises to the people that we love. Okay, number two, and we'll just go through a couple today and some more next week, but to give you a true north to live by. You know, when I was 18, I didn't like this particular promise I got, but this is the promise God gave me through the word. Job 8, 7, though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. You know what keeps me so highly energetic? This is not fulfilled yet. My latter days are going to be great. Well, this is okay, but I want it to be great. What keeps me going and going and going and going is that promise. I was a bit insulted at 18. Your beginning was very small. Well, I didn't think it was that small at that point. But looking back, it was very small. So that was right. Though your beginning was small. What keeps me motivated in the morning is this, this promise. Kept me going for what? Four decades, five decades, four decades. Let's not get ahead of myself. Four decades has kept me going every day, staying true. Because there are numbers of promises, and this is one of them. I think the next verse I got was, you know, better is the patient in spirit than the proud in spirit. Like, okay, it's going to be a patient journey. Oh, no, I didn't want it to happen like this. I'd rather you say, do it in my younger days. Now, I'm glad it's my latter days. It's amazing how our perspective changes with time. I want it now. Later on, it's like, thank goodness you didn't give it to me now, you gave it to me then. Isn't that how it works? Okay. So this scripture drives me continuously. It's why I live with that energy, that 
Just let's go. Let's do more. Let's reach more people. Let's change more lives. Let's see more soul saves. Why I personally strive to lead people to Jesus myself on a personal basis, on a weekly basis. I strive to do that. Why? Because this is a, a promise to me. Amongst other promises. Number three, God gives you promises to motivate and inspire you and I to fight for our destiny. God has a destiny for you. He has a plan for you, a good plan, a good ending, a purposeful ending, one that's meant to be filled with so much fruit, that's lasting fruit, great fruit, and it's fantastic. And God says, I'm going to give you a promise to motivate you to fight for your destiny. I remember in 2009, you know, I was going through one of those seasons where there's a storm. Anyone ever been through a storm in your life? Right? Only seven of us. The rest of you are doing pretty well. All I can say is the storm's coming. We're in Georgia, remember? The storm could be tomorrow, could be today, could be at 11, it could be at 12. You know, who never knows. And I was in 2009, and, I, and, and, and one of the... Yeah, I was just in a, I was in a storm, and I remember as I was reading God's Word, I got a phone call from someone, and they said to me, they had no idea what was going on, and they said to me, God gave me for you Psalm 27. Well, interestingly enough, I'd just been scanning Psalm 27, because you know when you're in a storm, when you start reading the Psalms? Oh, woe is me, God help me in my trouble. Do we not read the Psalms in trouble? Yes, we do, right? So I'm, I'm reading the Psalms. So I'd, I'd got to Psalm 27. They called me up and says, you need to read Psalm 27. I said, well, actually, I just read that. I better read that again. As I read it, the Holy Spirit gave me a promise. It said this, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. Some of my warlike characteristics came from that moment, Right? From now on, whenever things happen to me, I'm like, though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. So I'm a, I wrote a book called No More Fear because I was a very fearful person. So this was very helpful to me. My heart will not fear, though war break out against me. I mean, that's a big deal, war breaking out against you. It's a big deal. Even then, I will be confident. I will see the Lord in the land of the living, goes on to say. It's one of my, so I remember picking myself up from my deep, dark gloom and said, I will be confident. No matter who's coming against me, what's coming against me, I've got a promise from God that tells me that he's going to be with me and I can still be confident though an army besiege me. Think about the word besieging. That means people on every side, long-term besiegement. My goodness, that's a real deal. And the temptation in the besiegement, let me just sidetrack for a moment. Hadn't planned to say this, but I feel to say this, and I felt it on the front row actually. There's a story in 1 Samuel 11, verse 1, about Nahash the Ammonite. They besieged Judah, and they besieged them for a long, long time till they were really running out of supplies, you know, just suffocating, just this suffocating pressure. And King Saul goes out and says, let's make a deal. Or the people, sorry, of the town, let's, let's make a deal. I'm trying to remember the story now. And they said to them, we will make a deal with you and we'll give you seven days. 
We're happy to make a deal with you and go away on this condition, that we gouge out the right eye of every one of the people of Judah. Now, when you're about to die, losing one eye doesn't seem that much. And we are tempted to make a deal with the devil. It's Nahash, the word Nahash means serpent. So here's the thing, here's a deal. You are under so much pressure, I'm going to give you an easy way out. All you have to do is give me one of your eyes. You've got one, you've got two, you've got a spare one. Just give me one of your eyes and we'll go away. Well, if you've ever tried to cover one eye and catch a ball, the reason you need two eyes is because two eyes gives you the ability to judge depth and speed and distance. So once you've only got one eye, your ability to judge distance, speed, and depth is greatly diminished. Well, think about it. When God's moving, I've got to have the ability, have perception of distance, depth, and speed. What was he trying to do? He wasn't just trying to lose half their vision. You just, well, I'm going to take away half your vision. No, I'm going to take away a lot more than that. I'm going to take away your perception as well. And when you've been besieged for a long time, it's easy to go, all right, let's make a deal. Come on, high five. I'll take one eye out. Here it is. No, we want to take it out for real. That's what the enemy offers us under suffocating pressure. I've been there. Have you been there? I'm sure you have, where there's a deal to be made. What did Jesus, what did the devil say to Jesus? Hey, don't go to the cross. A lot of pain there. Don't go to the cross, just bow down and worship me and I'll give you the cities of the world. Right? The easy way, the shortcut. You think you're only losing something. You think like it's a, a, a small deal, but it's actually the end of your destiny. It's the end of everything. So don't make a deal to get out of the suffocating pressure. Get a promise because the promise is that it's going to be over and God will vindicate and God will win. And that verse has been with me. They're an army besieged. Whenever, whenever bad things happen now, whenever stuff's happening, like as we try to get the church forward and buy properties and develop things and, and fight uh, you know, rear guard actions with persecution that the government wants to bring on churches and whatever, all, the, all those things that I'm involved in, guess what? That scripture just goes through my mind. Though an army besiege me, I will still be confident. Though war break out against me, even then I'll be confident. Come on, just a mere flesh wound. <laughs> if you've ever seen that, that, that Monty Python skit. So, to motivate you to fight for your destiny, some of us in this room, I feel this, the Holy Spirit saying, some of us have got to fight for our destiny. Fight for it. Don't give in to suffocating pressure. Help is on the way. That the promise is the food you need emotionally and mentally and spiritually to sustain the besiegement. You need a promise. We'll talk about that in the, in the weeks to come, how to get it, right? What to do with it. How do you get these from God? Because God wants to give them. God, even right now, even as I'm speaking, God is dropping seeds. You know one of the greatest miracles that happens in church that we don't even recognize? Is that as the person who's speaking, if, you've been, if I've been praying, and I have been a lot this week about today, that when I'm praying for this week, when I'm speaking, I promise you, the words that are coming out are not just the words of a man. They're the words anointed like bullets, like missiles from the Holy Spirit. And they're looking for a place to land. I can see some of you, the chairs that have got a big hole in them. That was meant for you. Bang! Oh, duck that one. 
You're not meant to duck it. You're meant to receive it. This is a good one. It's a good bomb coming your way. Right? And when I pray, when I pray and, I, and I speak into these things, I tell you the greatest miracle that's happening in that room is this. The Holy Spirit's speaking to people. Boom. He's speaking to your heart. Boom. I can feel courage rising in some of us. Boom. It's going to be over soon. Boom. You can feel it. That's miraculous. That doesn't happen sitting at home on the sofa. Hello? That happens when you're in church. Why? Because it's not just even about the message. It's about the atmosphere. It's about being together. That worship was so sick. It was incredible. So we used to say, fully sick. A bit too old to say that now, I guess. But anyway, moving on. So God's speaking to people all over this place. Never underestimate the rhema word of God. God's a sower. Remember, he said, my word is like seed. What heart will it fall on? Hard soil, soft soil, shallow soil, overcrowded soil. What kind of heart will it fall on? If your heart's open and it's not religious, guess what? The Holy Spirit's going to take the word of God, which is immutable, unchangeable, all about Jesus, all about focusing the praise on him. Guess what? And he's going to deposit like a missile. It's like a shoulder launch, boom, boom, boom. Right? God wants to get it to your heart. Why? Because those promises are your firepower for life. Whew. Thank you, Wendy. That's good. Good. Anyone else? That's good. I think that's good. And you're not saying it to me for yourself. It's good, right? You've got to say it to yourself. This is how God motivates, inspires you to fight for your destiny. Number four. This will be the last one we get through today. To create vision in you. I remember a Brazilian lady. I love Brazilians. I love people from all over the world. I just got to say that. I think we're going to plant a church in Brazil. I think we, we have to plant a church in Brazil. I think so. And I think we need some Brazilians to start rising. Because I'm ready. We're going to plant them in South America. All over the place, right? I believe it. And Brazil being such a large... A country should be a place where one of our hubs is. I believe that. And then we'll have campuses in other places too, many other places. I can see it happening. But I had this Brazilian lady come into our church in Adelaide, the Paradise Campus, where Craig, by the way, Craig Ellis is on the front row. He was in my youth group many years ago. He looks younger than me, or just a little bit maybe. And uh, he's part of our Paradise Campus. Him and his wife and his whole family have been there for decades. They're amazing, amazing pillar people. And they're in Jacksonville. He's in Jacksonville doing work for the Air Force. And uh, he decided he was missing church. He was missing Futures Church so much he drove six hours to come to church. How far did you drive today? That's all I can say. <laughs> so this lady come, comes in and she said, God sent me here. Well, you know, I've been around a long time, everybody. Everybody, there's, already, there's always fruit loops out there. But here's what I think, Right? I'm just being, you know, anyway. <laughs> I'm amongst family, so I'm just sharing. <laughs> Listen, I've been around a long time. My dad was a pastor too, so guess what? I've been around a long time. I've had, I've had hundreds of words. Right? That one went through the keeper, catcher. But I'm always open because God can use an ass, a donkey. Therefore, he can use me and you and anyone. So I'm not, I'm not like, I look at the way you're dressed. You, how can you talk to me? I accept it from anybody because it could be God wrapped up in a form that I wasn't expecting. So I'm always open. But I'm also discerning. Right? Test it. We'll talk about that. So he comes in and she says, and I was at that point running to be the national president of the thousand churches in Australia. 
I was on the national executive as one of the directors and I was running against one of my friends and I, she came in, she said, God told me to come to the church and just this weekend, I'm a, you know, I'm a prayer and rah, rah, rah and, and I felt God told me to come here. This was the home of the first Australian idol winner and, and blah, blah, blah and all that kind of stuff This our church was. And so she came a few years later, she said, God told me to come. She said, I said, well, okay. And she starts giving, starts praying for us. Well, I could feel a resonance. I could feel it was the Holy Spirit. It was after church. I could feel this resonance. And I'm like, wow, okay. I think, so then she started prophesying over my son, Mark. And what she said was just so spot on. I'm like, what? This is incredible. You know, once I, once I knew it was safe for me, I'm like, okay, the kids need something. You know. <laughs> then I invited her over the next night. Actually, I said, hey, we stay. We come to our house. I want you to pray for us, right? It was about this, this position. <laughs> she was so kind, so nice. And she said, she said, look, I said, can you, can you, what do you think? Should I go for that position? Do you think I'll get it? Come on, I, I thought I'd be a bit bold. <laughs> you know, am I going to get it? Maybe I said it a bit better than that, but you understand that, that what was coming out of my heart. And <laughs> she says, we're praying, and she says, no, I, I can't really comment on that. I've got nothing to say about that. But what I do see is this. I see mushrooms popping up all over the world. This is before we planted any campuses. I see mushrooms popping up all over the world. I think you're going to have a church movement all over the world. Well, that was just confirmation. I'm like, what? And I wasn't sure I was going to get that job, and I was so glad I didn't in the end. I told the guy who's my mate, I said to him, I said, you know, God had one job, two, two children wanted the one job. He had to choose, he chose you. And on the day that it happened, I thought he loved you more than me. Three years on, he certainly loves me more than he loves you. Look at the mess you're in. <laughs> Be careful what you wish for, everybody, <laughs> right? And I did, we laughed about it, we laughed about it. He was the right person, right? Thank goodness, I wouldn't be in America if I'd have got that. But she was right. Right? And it was so powerful, it created vision in me. In fact, this morning when I was up early praying and just praying for today and praying about the vision of the church, I started getting so much and talking, going over the promises of God in my life, I started getting faith as I started thinking about, that's right, she came and she said that and that happened and that promise and that promise. Wow, there's lots of other things that I don't count as promises that are just, oh, that's nice, thanks, appreciate you, you're a great person, God love you, cool, there we go. And other people, it's like, that was a promise from God. That was from God. Wow, I'm taking that and I'm storing that and I'm going to see that seed grow, right? And it is right before our eyes. And it just gives me faith. It gives me vision. And the reason why God gives you promises is it begins to create vision in you. Does that make sense? God wants to create vision, not just your own worldly vision, what the world tells you to have a vision for. God wants to give you a godly vision to use what you have for His kingdom because our world is going to hell in a handbasket. Who believes that, right? And we have to be the good news providers. How does God do that? By giving us promises and giving and stirring our faith and our vision so that we will go after those things with all of our heart. You know, just this week, uh, or maybe a couple of weeks ago now, I was being approached about a church in a South American country that's looking to be part of us. I'm like, woo, come on, this is exactly what God showed me would start to happen. I didn't go looking for it, it came looking for me. It's incredible. Last thing, I will, I'll do one more, Ooh, see if we can. Oh, here we go. I just feel, I just... 
I just feel it. God gives you promises that give you great confidence about tomorrow. Most people are living uncertain, hoping, just going down the same track, making goals at work, putting the vision boards up. That's all great and stuff. But God wants to put inside of you rocket fuel that drives you every day. He wants to give you great faith about tomorrow. Let's read Psalm 119. It says this, I rejoice in what? Your promise like one who finds great spoil. If you found a million bucks sitting by your back tire today on your way out, would you be happy? Yes. So would I. Feel free, I'll tell you where my car is. No. But the point is, <clears throat> I rejoice in your promise like someone who finds that great spoil. Next one is Second Peter. The Lord, Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. Our version of slowness is a month. God's version of slowness is a thousand years. One day is like a thousand years to the Lord, remember? We know that's, he's not going to keep you waiting a thousand years. You won't be alive. But the point is, the Lord is not slow. He's slow and sudden. So that's why we're going to keep hanging on, leaning in. Psalm 105. He remembers his covenant, which is a promise, forever. The promise he made for a thousand generations. You might have thought God forgot the promise he made you five years ago, but God says, I remember it for a thousand generations. That's how long-lasting the promises are. That's how deep and committed God is. You know, in May, just this going, I'll finish with this, the bank are coming up. Wow. I was like, whoa. There he is. I love Anderson. He's amazing. He's fantastic. Honestly. And David, on, a, on the bass day, you were incredible. I was sitting there worshiping Jesus through your bass playing. It was amazing. You know, May God, as I was leaving for Australia, God gave me a promise. Some of you know that my dad passed away in May. But there are all lots of other things, other big things that are, you know, not church related within the church, but outside. You know, government things, different things. One day I'll tell you about them, they're incredible. And as I was flying out, God made me a promise. Made me a promise about it. So I went into that season very ready, very schooled up, but very confident. Not worrying because the Holy Spirit had given me a promise. It came in a way that was I knew it was God. Sometimes it's me giving myself a promise, hoping it was God. Isn't that true? Right? This one was God giving me a promise. And it helped me because of that promise, I'm going to tell you, there were times where it got very intense, very dangerous for the church. Not just our church, the church. That's I was battling things on behalf of the big C church. And it helped me navigate very intense and precarious dealings with governments, large entities outside the church. And every time I had one of these scary moments, I just went back to the promise. And as soon as I went back to the promise, whew, peace like a river. Joy, clarity, boldness. This is an army trying to besiege me. I am confident. But not in myself, in Him who holds the world in the palm of His hands. And on Friday, just gone, in one hour, as I told you before, three solutions, major, major dominoes that were so critical. In one hour on Friday, boom, phone call, boom, phone call. And I told you, they're of, the, they're of the highest order, I can tell you. I'm telling you. Some things I've been working on for four years 
intense, scary, different. Boom, resolve. Boom, resolve. Boom, resolve. Why? Because none of God's promises fail to thousands of generations. And I was able to walk into that May, deal with my dad's death, deal with all the other things. I mean, my dad's death was a celebration compared to everything else that was going on. But every one of them was a win, 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 win. Sometimes I've had to wait, 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 wait. It was just nice to get win, 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 win instead of wait, 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 wait. Anyone here in a waiting period for something? Put up your hand. Okay. God wants to move the waiting to the winning. We're going to talk about the next two weeks, how you move from waiting to winning. So remember, God doesn't move quickly. He moves suddenly. How do we get the suddenlies to happen? I'm going to share that soon. But I'm going to tell you today as we come to, I'm going to wrap this up. There's so much to say. I'm going to tell you, I was dancing. Can you imagine? This was at 5.30 in the morning, got my first call. Woo! I had to be really quiet as Pastor James was asleep. So I'm in the car. I'm actually in the car talking about, what the? <laughs> then another one comes in. Then another one comes in. I'm like, woo, this is the day the Lord has made. All the other days He made them too, but I wasn't rejoicing as much as Friday. <laughs> Sometimes I was crying. Sometimes I was wondering. But now you go back to the promises. They keep your life strong. And God wants to get, God's not a farmer in recession. God's seed sowing company hasn't gone into liquidation. He's not a farmer with a cutler seeds. Jesus tells a story about the sower and the seed to tell us that God is sowing liberally the seeds and the promises. He's a promiser. He wants to give you promises. He's the promise keeper, the promise giver, the promise creator. He's looking to tell you about your future so you can live strong, confidently. You can move forward. You can be at peace. You can say, God, I know it's, it's taken a long time, but I trust you. I believe in you. Changes everything.